This episode is brought to you by Wellforce, offering business consulting and IT solutions for the hybrid workforce. Online at wellforce.ai. Thank you for listening to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit girlswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. So this is brand new. So we are recording an episode of Girls Who Do Stuff right now. Welcome to the podcast studio. Welcome to the studio. And Joe's going to wave. He'll put his, oh, he can't reach. One day we should do a tour. There it is. We should do a tour. Yeah, no, we totally can do a studio tour. So we are, uh, this is brand new. Joe switched to a different streaming platform. Not a sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) All I said was different streaming platform. I didn't even mention what it was. I like it so far. Riverside FM. <laughs> <laughs> if Riverside FM would like to sponsor the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast, please reach out <laughs> at info at girlswhodostuff.com. I was going to say, give them the email. <laughs> so we are able to stream now on Facebook next week, uh, or next time we record, it'll be uh, YouTube as well. So this is super exciting to invite people into the studio and see how we do what we do. We will have a dedicated audience link so that you can join the uh, recording. We will invite you. Maybe we should do like a contest and we can pull. I don't know. Because we can put the link out there and then anybody who wants to join can join. Yes, let's do that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We can do that. The or, more the merrier. Right. And our guests can also invite their people. Yep. So y'all, it'll be able to be like live studio audience. Mm-hmm. Live studio audience, but and in here plus, and then we can bring you in and you can talk or you can just submit your question type. So they'll be able to ask. Ask the guest questions live yep. if they want yep. to. And if you're an upcoming guest on the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. Sorry. I mean- <laughs> <laughs> they had a hard time with lightning round before when it was just you guys. <laughs> We've got a question here from your mother. <laughs> it seems to just read, how dare you? Yeah, right. That would be, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Our guests in the future will be able to invite their audiences, their followers mm-hmm. into the Girls Who Do Stuff space, which is super exciting. So... I want to scoot you closer to me because they're okay. only getting a little bit of your face. <laughs> there. Now they get There's to see the whole face. all beautiful you. <gasps> Thank Yay. you. Um, and so we appear to have had some and, challenges. To, what? And y'all didn't tell me we were going live. And so freaking Jenny's got full glam makeup on. I got new eyeshadow. So I wanted to play this morning. And I show up in leggings. I'm wearing my slippers though. And, <laughs> and no makeup. And I, I have my like, studio slippers. What the? These are my office slippers. I actually have, bought off. have a sister's back and be like, yo, where Well, I didn't know this was happening today. I was going to tell you. I wanted to see your face when we told you and see how excited you were. <laughs> and Joe said I overhyped it. Did I overhype it? No. Because we turn lemons into lemonade all the time, just mm-hmm. like we did for our last episode of the kids episode, we turned lemons into lemonade there. Yeah. That and turned out to be a really great piece of content. I'm really proud of that. Us pulling our bootstrap. It was totally you. <laughs> I just go along for the ride. She's, let's have our kids in the studio. And I was like, Ugh. no, you okay. suggested to have the kids in the studio. I did? Yes. I don't recall this at all. <laughs> I don't recall this at all. She's blocked it out. It was such I a. Probably. It, it, it so didn't. Oh, see, Ryan has his makeup on too. Thanks, Ryan. 
Yeah. And uh, Ryan is the host of the Business and Brews show. They stream on Facebook and mm-hmm. a podcast as well. So you can check them out. We had a lot of fun on their show. We did. Mm-hmm. We sure did. But so we are making lemons into lemonade. We had a, an issue with one of our guests this morning. So we are now going to just do a you the two of a show. We haven't done one in a while. The last one we did was the three things that we learned from our parents. And today we're going to be talking about mental health. Correct. And like y'all. Destigmatize. And I got to say, I'm glad that all of this was caught up in like a mistake kind of format because that like this is going to be this is about to get really super raw and real and vulnerable for me. Okay. So I'm I'm just with you, girl. If I stop talking. I got you. (laughs) This is a safe, loving place. This is a safe space. And I think it's important we're talking about it now. And so from our conversation last Friday, maybe Mm -hmm. it was, and then this week, I even our past guest podcast guest Cancer Chic she mm-hmm. even posted yes I wanted to it yes. was beautiful yep. and I was it, Anna I, yes and Shout I was like Anna, Anna girl I because I'm at I that point it. too mm-hmm. yes and I was like I am there I feel you and I think as a community like everybody's there right now <laughs> yep yep I think that in so here in North Carolina it's rained for all of 2021 as far as I can tell except for the three days this week when it was beautiful but it, it literally it's rained for I think 50 out of the last 60 days or something like that we're feeling that the days are shorter the it's season it's I think there's for me personally there's always a, a January post like new year changeover kind of lull Mm -hmm. that I encounter. But mental health is something that I've had. I don't want to say challenge. I don't want to say struggle. I don't like those words. (laughs) I don't like those words. I have, I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety when I was 14. And so it has been something that, but I can even remember like before then as a single digit child, feeling really sad and not knowing why and not being able to like Play, like place the I didn't have the I wasn't able to articulate what right, that the what it was. with that being said it was like it's something that I've had that I've dealt with that I've grown that has grown with me over the course of many years to the point of and I we talked about that it on husband's lived episode with. is that a word I've you're lived looking? with I've lived with it but it's not like it's just part of me right there's right. no now I can say this as a, in my 40s I can say I look at it as a, like, I just accept it's it's right. part of me. I'm not trying to fix it. Right. For a long time, I tried to fix it. And the energy of trying to fix it turned out to be much, much worse than just just being like, all right, this is this is it, mm-hmm. right? And it's ebbed and flowed, and there's been times. But, and we talked about it in the husband's episode with Scott. He's seen me when it's been pretty bad, but at its worst. So when there's, like, generalized anxiety and, and depression, and, and there's a whole lot of other stuff that I will keep some of that private, but there was self-harm involved. There was suicidal ideation and it wasn't. So here's, I want to make a really clear distinction. For me, it wasn't so much about wanting to die as it was no longer wanting to expend the energy to live, which I think is a really, when we talk about suicide and there's so many different religious beliefs and moral compasses and people's personal beliefs when it comes to choosing to take one's own life and choosing their path to death. What I want to be clear about is that it there's no it, it doesn't fit in a box right at all. So there's no somebody's who who wants to who's committing suicide or taking making those actions is not necessarily really wanting to die. They really might just not want to expend like it's it, the energy to live has become too much. Mm-hmm to cope with. And I understand that feeling. And I remember in my uh, 20s and when I was pretty heavily medicated because the anxiety was so bad, like I would get panic attacks in the car and I would have to 
pull over on the side of the highway and go through like my deep breathing stuff to bring myself to the point where I could finish driving the car. Yeah. And it would usually be on the way to my therapy appointments. <laughs> and panic attacks are so exhausting that after you have a full blown panic attack, you're like done for the day. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I mean, done. <laughs> and, and it's not always like I. All right. So we talk about the expending the energy to live, the expending the energy for me to live at that time was making sure I always had medication with me. Mm-hmm. And and I'm talking like Xanax and Ativan, mm-hmm. not just like that I was medicated right. with an antidepressant. I tried all of the antidepressants. <laughs> I've had them all. And some of it is trial and error. And I want to validate and normalize that for people. Like it does take time. There's no, some will feel like an instant fix when you find the right one or the right combination. Oh, and it can take a long time. Yeah. yeah. I don't give up. No. And it, it's usually a the prescription that they've shown to work the best is a co-treatment of medication plus therapy Correct. for a minimum of 13 weeks. Yep. Yeah, that's the way. Yeah, that's the ticket. It's not just no. medication. So, yeah, so I always had to have medication. I always had to have modium because the anxiety caused IBS. Mm, okay. And I always had to have an exit strategy. I always had to drive myself. I always had to know where I was going. And I always had to be in control. And the amount of energy that I was expending to be in control all the time for fear of what could happen. Mm-hmm really fucked up my head like for a long time well and i think it's important to talk about the medication component too Mm -hmm. because there's stigma even when it comes to getting medication taking medication yada yada Mm -hmm. yada of as a therapist in my practice i used to hear that's a crutch or i don't want to use it as a crutch or i should be strong enough to just handle this on my own yada yada and the way that like i would explain it is think of inside your brain is a bunch of tree branches and in order for the chemicals to get the the tree branch has Mm -hmm. to be solid not splintered not cracked not snapped and I was like and you're missing that chemical and so it is snapped and there's a gap and Mm -hmm. so the things can't flow all the juices can't flow in your brain because it stops right where the twig has been snapped Mm -hmm. And you need the medicine in order to repair and be like a bridge Mm -hmm. for the gap in the tree. Right. If you have a broken bone and you go to the hospital and they say, we need to do what's called an open reduction and internal fixation, y'all. It means that they're putting pins and screws in your bones to tie them together. If you need to have a screw put in your bone to tie it back together, it's it's the same thing as what you're saying. Like, how are you going to fix a broken bone? They're going to implant something or they're going to put a a stabilizer on it or something. Like, there has to be some kind of treatment that's applied. And Just like diabetes, you need insulin. Mm -hmm. Disease, if you have uh, cholesterol or or high blood pressure, you need... So it's not in your control. You you, you know, it's not, oh, I should just be able to suck it up. So it's not always in your control. And asking for help is not a weakness. This is a a thing. It is a strength. It really is. And it's something that, so I've been on and off all the things (laughs) for years and years. How old am I? I'm 42. So we're talking almost 30 years. And so two, almost two years ago, I realized that I hit that, like I was hitting that point again. Mm -hmm. And it took me a year to get to that point to go to my doctor and say, 
I should have come here a year ago. So really, we're talking about two years where I probably should have been back on medication because between having babies and hormones and your body changes and diets and moves and things and all the things like that can all impact. But things had settled down to the point where my brain was like, "Okay, we need help again. And so I went back to the doctor and I said, these are the ones that I know worked for me Mm -hmm. in the past. And she said, "Okay, we'll try this one. And then if that doesn't work, then we'll try the other one. Mm -hmm. I said, "Okay." So that's it. Now, it always works better when you take it every day. Yes. Oh, that's the other thing. People are like, oh, but I'm feeling so good. I don't need it anymore. And then they stop taking it. And I'm like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Or if you forget. <laughs> so I again, I have to make a really conscious effort in the morning that I'm like, go to the bottle and get right. the pill. And, and I'm actually going to keep a bottle here so that I can have. I don't know why I didn't think about that before. Hello. Hey, wait. I am the only other person here that works with you. <laughs> Joe is like, please leave a bottle here. Please. Yeah, he's like, please. please. It's just like you would carry uh, Tylenol or ibuprofen I, in your purse. We have giant or, bottles of ibuprofen and Tylenol under the, the kitchen sink. Yes. Your, like the kitchenette area. To me, that it's I no different. For. No, like a thousand band-aids. It's no different. It's no different. It's no. And so it's, I have an issue remembering to take pills. People are like, oh, just put it at your sink when you brush your teeth. And I'm like, but okay. Some techniques work for some people. They right. don't work for all people. Do you have an alarm on your phone? That says, take your medication now, woman. No, it doesn't. No, you could totally do that. I totally could, but (laughs) I don't. Because, like, my pattern has been, like, so it doesn't matter. I'm like, let's unpack that. Let's unpack this. I forget to take my medicine sometimes. (laughs) So it is always better when you have a therapeutic value in your bloodstream, I'm just saying. So you can't say that it's not working if... If you're not taking it. If you're not taking it. Consistently. <laughs> consistently. And, and that's like anything else, like yeah. a diet. If you're not eating healthy consistently, of course, it, it consistency yeah. is key. Yeah. And, and but part of it, too, is like connecting with the right therapist. And at that time, when I finally made it back, so remember now, so now we're like a year after I started looking for a therapist or a psychiatrist or recognizing that something was off that I needed to probably address. Mm-hmm. And not having done that until I reached my breaking point. So that was almost two years ago. And then at that time, she referred me to a therapist that was in network in their network. And I'm right. like, okay, that's cool. And after like four or five sessions, I was like, you know what? Like <laughs> the energy and the time and the resources that I'm having to put out to go meet with this therapist who was very nice and good at her job. But for me, it was like it was becoming too much, like just the three hours that I had to commit to drive, get ready, drive, go to the appointment, yeah, have my appointment. Like when all was said and done, right? Like yeah. by the time, like getting ready to leave, go and then going home. And sometimes I had to see her in the Durham office and sometimes I could see her in care. Like I just said, you know what? I can, and I'm not advocating this at all. Therapy is necessary. Coaching is necessary. What I did, though, was I created like my own, we call it for the business, we call it like our board of directors. Like Mm -hmm. I, I rely on my friend groups Mm -hmm. in different ways and I opened up to them and I said, hey, I just want you to know that this is part of me and if you could check in on me. Ever, like for if I ask you, just check in on me. And that's my way of reaching out and asking for help. And it was really hard mm-hmm. and very uncomfortable. What do you think made it so hard? I don't want people to look at me like that. Like what? Like, 
<laughs> that I'm weak and that I can't handle all the things. And that because it's really hard when you're somebody who has who's who has, a, for lack of a better phrase, a public persona. Mm-hmm. Right. Because people will meet me. Like if you meet me or you have conversations with me, it's not until you get until I can trust you that I might share this information with you. But in that time, you've already made up your mind that I'm like this outgoing, but mm-hmm. because I'm an extrovert. So right. of course I'm out. I'm going to be like bubbly. and blah, blah. Yeah. It's one of those things that like, I don't want to be perceived as less than. Okay. And there's a stigma around mental health in this country. Right. And in society you- that makes me fearful that people are going to see me as less than. Do you believe that you are less than? Sometimes. Okay. Because of dealing with depression and anxiety or because of other things? Oh, there's a whole host of things. (laughs) We're going to unpack that. I think that... I think we all think we're less than sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's... And it's hard because it it goes... And I can go back and look at it. And I'm a... Naturally, my brain compartmentalizes and I try to problem solve. Like I try to find the patterns. And I, with my knowledge and and what I know of having studied this and lived it and talked to other people who have dealt with it, and I can look back and say, and I had a really great therapist for about 10 years, and her name is Wendy, and I don't know if she's going to watch this today, but hi, Wendy. And, like, I would joke that it would be like, I, I didn't always need to see her because I... Like she had enough of an impact on me that I could be like, what would Wendy say? And yeah, thanks to the, (laughs) thanks to social media, when we connected on Instagram a few years ago, that's exactly what I told her. And I was like, you're still with me? Yep. And as a therapist, you know how impactful Mm -hmm. that is to hear years later. It was, it would be like the, I can go back and look at it and say, okay, there's like a physiological component, a psychological and physiological component that leads back to my adoption that, you know, because I was adopted at birth. So it's not even like. I have a different family story. Like I was adopted at birth. I've been with my family since I was three days old. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's not anything that I didn't know. But in my head, I built it up to, I had to be perfect or they were going to give me back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is not everybody's experience. And I don't want to invalidate anybody else's adoption experience or childhood experience or minimize anything. This is my experience that I'm speaking to. Okay. I just want to feel like I have to put that disclaimer out there. So I would test the limits and see at what point would they want to give me back. They never want to give me back. Foster kids do that a lot too. Yeah, my parents are pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. You can go listen to their episode and hear their awesomeness. And I would test and test. And it was this cycle that I built mm-hmm. of testing of how bad could I be right before they gave up on me. And then that ties into a misguided belief. Uh, a limiting belief, a, a lie, one of those lies that we tell ourselves that mm-hmm. you're not worthy of mm-hmm. anything. You don't have value because at any point they could give you back mm-hmm. and look how bad you are. Right. And as a kid, it doesn't, it, none of this makes sense. Logically as an adult. And I look at my own children, I'm like, God, I don't ever want you to experience that. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want you to feel that way, but it, and, and I can go and I can look and and I can look like You can hover over it. I can hover over it and look at all of the times where I fucked up royally. And even now, like, I don't want to disappoint them. That's just, that's like a normal kid thing, right? Right. Like, we don't want to disappoint our parents. But it takes extra work to remind myself that I have value and that I'm not less than. My, My innate instinct sometimes is to still freak out and be like, oh, my God, 
like even in business and in, in, in life and whatever, like it's hard. What do you think is hard about it? I would much rather my brain not be wired like that. Mm-hmm. It would be so much easier if my innate response was to be like, that's amazing. Or don't worry, or everything's great, or whatever. Right. Yeah. And for you, you're saying your brain is hardwired to say what instead? Like, my brain is hardwired to point out all the things that could go wrong. Mm-hmm. And all the ways that somebody could not be, like, clients not be happy with my services, or I could disappoint my kids or my husband, or they're, like, it's hardwired all, into that, like, scary. Of all the ways that somebody could reject you. Yes. And I wish it was the opposite, mm-hmm. that I could just celebrate mm-hmm. all the wins. And all the ways that and somebody can love you. Mm-hmm. And it goes to show the level of work because you, it's the difference between your conscious self, because your conscious self knows that those are lies, knows that you have evidence all over the place mm-hmm. of being loved unconditionally the messy and the beautiful mm-hmm. and you have, so you your conscious self knows you have all of that evidence and that's to be true mm-hmm. like consciously mm-hmm. but then subconsciously it's still playing and of that's your core limiting belief and that's your biggest fear is that i am going to be rejected or abandoned and kicked off and be alone mm-hmm. and so what would you like to do about that my friend I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> That's right. I'm right like, now. I have a great energy healer that can help with the subconscious. Our next guest in a few minutes. That's what she does as well. Yeah. It's and it's so because you're spending all this time and energy trying to solve something on an intellectual cognitive level when that's not where it's that's not where the unhealed part lives. The unhealed part is in the subconscious. Yeah. And I, it's, so I do have an appointment coming up. I have to schedule it. But anyway, I reached out to someone who does Claudia Ricard. So she, she does this. Oh yeah. I was telling you about it. So like she does this blast technique and it works. (laughs) Like it helps my brain do what it's supposed to do. So that's part of it. But yeah, it's coming. Mm -hmm. Cause literally when I reached out to you through Voxer, the later on that day, I had my session with Valerie Mm -hmm. and she did a clearing for Mm -hmm. me. And it's like night and day. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like it felt like I had all of it here. And Mm -hmm. it felt like this constant humming of frustration and Mm -hmm. resentment. And I I was putting so much energy to keep it. Hush the volcano. That whole volcano in my belly book and all that stuff. (gasps) Girl, yes. Volcano in my belly. And then when the volcano explodes, oh my gosh. Is it a kid book? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we have other kid emotion books. Yeah. Oh, it's so saying. good. Oh, I did. I used to use that all the time with kids in therapy when I did play therapy with I kids. don't do that. I, I know, but I was like, oh, it's so kids. good. You're- <laughs> I didn't want to work with the kids. I worked with the old people. But so anyways, and so I was trying to not let it erupt, right? Like I was spending so much energy and uh, willpower mm-hmm. to- Don't erupt, don't erupt. But then- And that's what was causing. Mm -hmm. And having that with her, it literally just felt like it all cleared. And I feel 
lighter, open. I don't feel that heaviness. I don't feel that hum anymore, but I had to follow it up with action. And so right after my session with her that night, I reached out to the grandparents and was like, okay, guys, you're now totally vaccinated. And our family really needs some consistent help because Mm -hmm. we're a year into this and I'm not seeing it end. And we haven't been able to catch back up. Like Mm -hmm. we're so far behind now on all of our stuff. Our house is disgusting. (laughs) Just things like that. (laughs) Because everything else is taking, survival is taking taking precedence. (laughs) It's not, and it's more than, it's survival. And it's, uh, I know you don't want to talk about COVID. So we'll just touch on this little piece. It's survival at a different frequency of what we've had to survive before. Exactly. And this is what I think it is. And it's it's when I reached out to you and said, when is the last time you experienced a full chunk of joy, of carefree joy? And I was like, oh my God, the fact that it's been, because we've been in COVID, it's been the isolation, it's been the separation, not going places, not doing fun things like homebound. I'm like, oh, I have to, I cannot be in fear anymore. Mm -hmm. I cannot live my life that way. Yeah, I'm going to mitigate risk and I'm not going to go out there and be like licking people or doing <laughs> crazy things. But I, I was like, I have to experience chunks of joy. <laughs> Disclaimer, the girls who do stuff is not advocating going out and licking yeah, people. Don't do that. Don't do that. Wellforce, offering business consulting and IT solutions for your hybrid workforce. Do you need business process evaluations and solutions to streamline your workflows? A technology assessment, including security and managed services to optimize performance, or solutions to create a seamless hybrid workplace experience. If that's you, Wellforce has a growing team of affiliates to support your organization's move to hybrid. Visit wellforce.ai today. But I was like, the fact that it's been that long of having carefree joy and not just because I, I can experience momentary joy all over the place. I get that. Mm-hmm. But that real like fun, joy, yeah. radiation of your yeah, it, our first thought when we think about making a plan for something that could be fun is, but what if? Yes. Like, where's the risk because of right. what we've experienced the last year? Yep. Yep. So I do think that the time that we are in and the isolation is causing it. I think it's important to recognize that everybody has their their way that they're dealing with all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no right or wrong way. And however you care for your mental health. So there's so many things that can be helpful, right? Like we talk about, I think it's like a privilege thing too, to talk about self-care has become like self-care can be for the privileged, but not for the unprivileged or the marginalized. And that's not entirely accurate. Like your self-care could be taking five minutes to before you walk in your house. Totally. If you're working multiple jobs, if you are trying to, if you are literally spreading yourself so thin that you're, you fall into bed and you sleep for two hours at night and that's where you're at. Carve out, find the joy in some point during your day. Yep. Whether it's your break at work or your whatever it may be, if you can get two minutes, three minutes, five minutes that you claim as your own, Mm -hmm. because that is self-care. Yep. Yep. 
last week I was like, I, I really need to go to bed. I can't. We usually do the nighttime bedtime routine as a family mm-hmm. where we're like one will read, one does brush teeth, blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, I have to go to bed now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. I just, I ate dinner, I exited the table and I went to my room and I was asleep by seven o'clock. I was like, I have to sleep now. Mm-hmm. And then the next day and I was done. Like I did not wake up until seven o'clock the next morning. Mm-hmm. And two days later, Matt was like, you're a totally different person when you get sleep and you're rested. And he was like, you're like the Sarah I know the next day. And I was like, and that like, so all of these are the signs of we can't continue to keep trying to do this all by ourselves. No. And so what I want people listening to take away of anything is that not only is it okay, it is necessary and it is the greatest act of courage to ask for help. Whether that's for, whether it's asking for help by telling your partner, I'm going to go to sleep at seven o'clock at night. You Mm -hmm. can handle that solo. Mm -hmm. Whether it's reaching out to the grandparents and saying, we just cannot continue to do this by ourselves anymore. Whether it's reaching out and texting your friend group and saying, Mm -hmm. hey, check in on me. Whether it's a girl's dinner, because I think that's what it was for me as I had the energy session with Valerie. I reached out to the grandparents on Saturday. I had girls dinner and I was like, okay. I'm feeling more like me. Correct. Yeah. And so whatever help is, and help can just be, like you said, the five minutes. Mm -hmm. Help can be extra sleep. It can be when you go to the bathroom and you take an extra minute and you just breathe. As parents, we joke about hiding in the bathroom, but that shit's real. Right. And help can be any of those things. And it can be medication, therapy, working with a coach, like what Mm -hmm. it it can be all those things. So I don't want to leave anything that's open ended. Right. So I just want to be really clear about this, that I feel like everybody has to find their own solution. And what works for me may not work for you. And so what worked for me was a lot of therapy, some medication on and off the medication, depending on what stage or what was happening in my life. And also part of it was recognizing just as Sarah likes to point out that you are worthy because you exist. And that's, that is true, right? That's, that is true. You are worthy simply because you exist. And one of the things that I think was really important that I want listeners to take away from this was I had to go through a process of forgiving the younger versions of me for not knowing that eventually that weirdness that I felt, that extra that I felt, I'd say it tongue in cheek, that like I totally own my extra and that I'm too much for some people and I totally get that those are not my people and I can still send them off with love. But it, part of it was just I had to get through the the process of understanding and forgiving those younger versions of me for not knowing that, for not knowing that the isolation and the weirdness and the the not fitting in parts of me that I felt would eventually become a an empowering role in in my existence, right? That there are some tables where somebody's going to tell you there aren't enough seats. And then there are some tables where you're going to feel like you don't belong. And that it's okay to go and start your own table and fill it and surround yourself with people who love you and appreciate you and value you 
simply because you are, because of who you are. I just want to point out, so today in the group, we're our Friday thread of how have you been brave this week, I'm shouting you out. Okay, thank you. And I would like to also point out that I did notice all the deflecting that was happening. <laughs> but because I love you, and I was like, I'm going to honor oh, that that's man. what she needs right now. I am such a good deflector. <laughs> I can't even begin. Like, I have built, like, I could teach a master class on deflection and compartmentalization. Those are, like... If somebody were to be like, what is your, maybe not the best superpower, <laughs> but you know where it's going to serve me? In a zombie apocalypse. The Walking Dead becomes real. She was when like. When we live in a post-apocalyptic nuclear fallout world, I will be queen because I will be able to deflect and compartmentalize all the things. So we do have another exciting announcement. What's that's coming up with our future guests as well, that we are breaking the girls who do stuff into two episodes a week. Yes. And we are going to have the... Not two episodes, because episodes sounds like two separate guests. But two shows a week. Two shows. Okay. Yeah. Two shows a week. It will be episode 1A and 1B. So um, the first one is the interview. Yeah. And then it's the bonus rapid fire content. We're going to have uh, Tuesday, Fridays. So Tuesday for the full yes. episode yes. and Friday for the bonus content. And do you like that better? Yeah, I do. Okay. I do. I do. Because right. my brain goes two episodes means two guests. Okay. Yeah. Bonus well, we content. We have clarified that for all of those that think like Sarah. Yeah. And my, I love the bonus content. I love the rapid fire. And we were in Clubhouse this week. And yep, like we Wednesday are every Wednesday, two o'clock Eastern time. And the people in the Clubhouse with us were giving us additional lightning Feedback round and, or yep. rapid fire. What do you want me to call it? Lightning. I don't know. We have to talk about it. Okay. Vote, lightning round, rapid fire. Joe can find more side effects, more side effects, more sound effects. What for do you guys like? Talking about side effects. But they gave us some more questions to ask. Yeah. Woo -woo. Yep. Yep. So. We did some. We did get some new lightning round questions. It's super exciting. We're gonna close this uh, episode here. Where? Um, Thank you, Jenny, for showing up and being vulnerable. <laughs> we all love you. I'm just proud of myself that the, the tears that were welling did not fall over for my new pretty makeup that I put on today. <laughs> I was unprepared for this discussion today. I would have worn the different mascara. Look, beautiful things can happen. All right, y'all. I'm Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And, and you, you do you, boo. boo. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing to this podcast and follow us on social media.